Yeah, text him and see what's going on because it says ringing, but it's he's not picking up. Ah, oh, here's somebody in the background. You heard a little kid? Oh, yeah. Your daughter, right? Yeah. Shit, that's I'm fine. in a separate room. That's okay. No, this is not. That's Just not a problem. Edit it, edit we'll have out. cats. Yeah. Nah, we'll have cats meowing and all that shit. It's it's fine. Hold on. All right. Rob's camera's off. Oh, is there? There you are, Rob. Oh yes, Jesus Christ! My uh, computer was like fucking up. Freaking out. So I had to restart it. Oh okay. Well, you hear me now? Yeah, Juan's here. You're here. Everybody's hey, here. Uh, does Juan sound uh, human or does he? He uh, sounds good. No, no. <laughs> I'll be the judge of that. Let me hear you, Juan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, say can you see? <laughs> well, that's by another good. <laughs> yeah, he's doing all right. Yeah. All right, <laughs> you started it. <laughs> I did. Uh, Juan does. You know, he's an interesting cat. That's right. We've been all down right. there. All right, you ready to do this, Juan? Let's just fucking let's just dive into this. We're all uh, we're all yeah, professionals right. here. Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. And we're certainly happy to be here with you guys again. Uh, just to, you know, take your mind off whatever happened. You might be going yeah. through your head these days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just a little respite, a little hour-long respite where we could chat about music and, you know, and... and uh, just forget about, uh, you know, the, the world uh, crumbling around our feet. Yeah, and you can listen and you can say, fuck you, they, Rob. Fuck you, Barry. That's wrong. <laughs> exactly, That's totally yeah. wrong. That's right. Get mad about, yeah, and get your priorities straight. Get That's mad right. about important things like uh, like this uh, this record we're going to talk about. And we have a guest, Barry. Who is who is our guest today? Returning. We have a returning guest. <laughs> a returning champion. Juan Mr. Montoya. Welcome, Juan. This is Juan Montoya, and, I, <laughs> and I'm stoked to be here. I use yeah. the word stoked because that's what uh, Van Halen was using back in the day. Exactly. Good word, stoked. So right, that brings quick. us to what record are we doing oh, this yeah, week, Juan? you bring, one? We are doing Van Halen's 1981 release, Fair Warning. Yeah. The darkest yeah. album. Exactly. Dark, yeah, it is, right? It's their dark, their dark release. And of course, uh, Mr. Eddie Van Halen, uh, uh, amazing uh, likes out guitar player. And just real quick, uh, we introduced Juan, but I just want to mention Juan himself is an amazing guitar player. Uh, played in so many bands, uh, especially down here in South Florida. He played in Ed Matus's Struggle, in Torch, Monstro. Uh, he's played in Killer Be Killed. And you're currently, you have your current project, Moon Destroys, which is fucking awesome. It's badass. Thank you. Uh, Thank yeah. you, Rob. So Ron's latest project, Moon Destroys, and the latest release is Maiden Voyage. Maiden Voyage. Yep. Maiden and Voyage. Definitely seek it out because it's awesome. So, so Juan, all right. So you bring Van Halen. The, the, the previous album we talked about with you was what? Kiss. Kiss Destroyer. Destroyer which you're, that's a band you, you were obsessed with since you were a kid. That was my first favorite band, my first rock and roll experience, my first... Right. You know, probably right. make out my first night on the town. You're talking about <laughs> Kiss now or Van Halen? <laughs> Kiss. Right. But like, but you, unlike other people who outgrew it, like me and Barry, you, you just stuck with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know. I'm not saying we outgrew it. I'm saying that we moved on to. 
but I was aware of their 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 downfall and their yeah. Uh, it got you, to the but, point that they were ahead of the curve, and then they were just kind of like trying right. to see if uh, they were second second guessing themselves. Second, yeah, uh, right. You know. But it's good. You're like uh, the good wife that sticks with the husband after he uh, gets in a horrible car crash and he's not the same guy. You stick with him. So unlike me and Barry, who would clearly she said she said she'd stick around till the bandages came off. These mama's boys just don't know when to quit. That's me and Barry, but that's not one. (laughs) All right, so one. So when did Van Halen come across your? uh, You know, when did you first discover them? Do you remember? Uh, well, I think it was, it might have been MTV already started. I mean, what year did MTV start? Oh, 80, God, now you're going to, it was either 80, 80 I think 80 yeah. or 81, yeah. 80. We didn't have cable at the house, so we went over to my mom's friend's house, and he had, <laughs> he had MTV. Right. And we spent the weekend there, so the whole weekend I spent watching it. And yeah. I realized that they would play the same songs over because they didn't have enough videos. Yeah, because they them. didn't have too many, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the songs that I heard was John Cougar Mellencamp, Hurt So Good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Cheap Trick, She's Tight, which I yeah. loved. Yep. I, yep. I, I became a stronger uh, Cheap Trick fan through that song. So what and, was the Van Halen song though? Because that was this was before 1984, that that big huge album. But so what? What do you remember the Van Halen songs? Well, there, playing? there's this this there's this footage of them performing, I think, in Oakland, uh, and they would air three songs. Right, Unchained. The, uh, uh, Unchained is one of them, right? Yeah. Yes. Unchained and Unchained became the the single, right? Uh, that they would that they would play on MTV a lot. Right. Yes, yeah. and I saw I that, they, and it's great because it actually is live, but it's amazing. But it sounds amazing, and there were, you know, clearly, uh, just the, the whole. That's the thing with Van Halen. They were they were a hard rock band, but they were a step above, mainly because of uh, Eddie Van Halen. But uh, you know, just a step above uh, musically uh, a, a lot of other bands. Yeah, Eddie was a shining light in, uh, yeah. in Van Halen. I mean, Dave Lee Roth was definitely the the glitter, yeah, and the right. sweat, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, it was weird because I saw the video and I was like wondering, man, it's a dark video, yeah. And and I guess back then, you know, the stages weren't as well lit as they are right now. Right. You see concert photography and it's super bright. Right. Uh, back then, you know, they would have somebody up in, in like the top of the arena or something with a spotlight, spot. and, they'd tr- Aiming and a they spot would try down. to follow you around. Yeah. And trying to follow a band like Van Halen's is a you're gonna miss thing some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys improv a lot, but I heard the song and I'm like, I was, I was like, you know, I was like mesmerized. Right. But now, then, were you already playing a guitar by then? No, I wasn't playing guitar uh, in in '81. I didn't pick it up till like I was in junior high when I could finally afford like a fifty dollar guitar. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I tried trading in it for a Kramer guitar because right. Eddie Van Halen at that point he was already like he was already the you know the he he held the gauntlet. Right. Right. At that point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's so I uh, I remember. I, I actually got to see them. This story, I'll tell it quick because I've told it a bunch of times is on the show, but I actually saw them open for Black Sabbath in 78 on their first U.S. tour on the uh, uh, Black Sabbath's Never Say Die tour, and then it was Van Halen's first album tour. And like I said, Van Halen were basically janitors because they mopped the floor 
with Black Sabbath at that yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> Their energy and they everything. They were the young bucks. Just and they, like, yeah. Yeah, you never wanted to have a band like that open for you because, you know, um, Eddie just was, pe- people's minds, were just their jaws were just dropping open. They couldn't yeah. believe what they were hearing. And the band was so tight. And, you know, the stage, their performance and everything, David Lee Roth, it's just, they, they wouldn't have, <clears throat> that's the thing, you know, there's always the, people say after David Lee Roth left, there was, you know, the people that have the Van Hagar um, adherence. But for me, after 1984, I just really wasn't interested anymore in the band. It was like, eh, you know, that, that yeah, David, he, no, David Lee Roth, they had this chemistry, they had this thing, and obviously a lot of it was a sort of tension between Eddie and David Lee Roth. Um, oh, God, yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> It was, and but this record, actually, fair warning, I didn't pay much attention to at the time. But in um, in the late '80s, I was living up in Tallahassee, and my friend Tommy Hamilton had it, and I would put it on, and I was actually sort of impressed, like, wow, this is um, this is a really dark record, and it, and it's it is. for and them. It's also, you don't hear the, you don't normally see the words sophisticated and Van Halen right. together. Oh yeah, but right. I would say this is the most sophisticated of their albums. Yeah, and right? it's also got that, you know, they were kind of minimalist. Like there if you listen, there's a lot of air in their records because they don't yeah. overdub a lot. They don't oh, they overdub the background vocals, you know, so you can hear Michael Anthony and David Lee Roth, about 50 of them singing the background vocals. But the m- instruments are guitar, bass, and drums, and it's not like loaded well, this, up. Well, well, one that, but this album—that's kind of where the tension came in, right, with Eddie. Yeah, you know, mentioning the older albums, the older albums definitely had the poppier songs. Yeah, and and what Barry's talking about, how you could, you know, they barely had any overdubs. Yeah, the, the Ted Supplement that, that was a producer. That, yeah, and but the truth of the matter is that Eddie Van Halen's never overdubbed. He never. He never properly recorded and was able to overdub records. He never had enough tracks. So he came into the first record without knowing how to overdub. Right. Right. <laughs> so that's why they, he kept it like that. And then it was a formula that worked for them. So when 1981 came around, uh, you know, Eddie wanted to experiment with more of overdubbing, but Ted Templeman, the producer who produced the other records, he wasn't into it. He wanted them to to continue doing the same formula, right? And, the formula that worked, you know. Oh, yeah. this works. Why do you want to fuck with and it? And also song wise, like poppy song, beach right, growing right. songs, right? And and at that time, Eddie Van Halen was kind of like he was he was I think overwhelmed with uh, with fame. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Because he's totally he's like the polar opposite of David. However, David Lee Roth is Eddie's almost like the complete polar opposite of yeah. you know yeah. uh it, it, well, david I, ross yeah. just like I mean, I think, their life. I think they're both jerks so i think they have that in common <laughs> probably yeah although i i think david may be more fun to hang out with after a while but like at around two three in the morning when he's still like yeah hooked up and yelling in your ear yeah you'd, yeah you'd rather just hang out with eddie and just you know be sitting and smoke a cigarette with him yeah <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like Jekyll and Hyde. But yeah, the subject right. matter on this record, it definitely has an uh, there's an undercurrent of real sort of sleazy, sordid darkness to it that the other records sort of play with, but they don't really, you know, they don't really go there. And on yeah. this one, um, it's uh, it's in there. 
And also, one, is this the first time really that they brought synthesizers? I think there was some synthesizers in the one before this, Women and Children First. But yeah. this is the, the first one I feel like where Eddie really wanted to bring in more of the synthesizer. and just like different things besides just his, his standard uh, lead guitar. Yeah, and, and I think he saved it towards the end of the record. Right. I mean, there was still a lot of guitar stuff that made you think it was a synthesizer. Sure. Like the whole intro, the whole intro kind of like, you know, like, like for instance, Eruption, how it blew people's minds. When you think he couldn't, like, do something, right. you know, when it couldn't be topped, he came in go. with this outer space funk. Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, the the opening, yeah, the opening track, the opening thing is just—it is. It's mind blowing. I mean, I know I'm I'm old. Me and Barry are older than you, but Barry. So you were when you heard you were already a guitar player, but when oh, you yeah. heard that, did you even know how he did that? Well, I did. I had studied what Eddie did. Everybody okay. who heard that first Van Halen record or the first two records, which you immediately try to find somebody who had figured out how it worked. Like right. how his like the thing you're the thing that people can't ever get is his tone because then there's been a lot of and just because it's just a certain way that he plays is that he gets this sound they call it the you know the brown sound or whatever and there's all kinds of speculation about you know the amps and stuff that he used and the way but really it came down to you had to be Eddie Van Halen to make that sound and so he's got this very singular sound way of guitar playing guitar and when he solos it's just like some sort of he's like it's like possessed you know like he just is goes in in directions that you can't really anticipate so um that's what's so interesting about and then the songs are you know you and then you contrast that with david lee roth who's got this this you know showman this like sammy davis jr personality basically and um it just makes a really interesting um you know i'm an unapologetic van halen fan i really i really like the band and i especially the you know up the 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 david lee roth era and um i thought they were i don't think there was anybody that could touch them and i don't you know that for what they did they were absolutely tops and zillions of people copied them i mean hair metal every hair metal was all an attempt to be van halen and they just none of them could really do it because those guys. Another thing that Van Halen has is this: they're all well, at least David Lee Roth and Eddie. They're very clever, and so but they're playing dumb. So they have a cle- the clever dumb thing, which um, the Ramones, much like the, the Ramones, Ramones, we just talked about exactly the, Ramones the Stooges. So they have this. Um, they're very witty and very sly. So yeah, I I, I love Van Halen, and uh, I love the way their records sound. That's kind of like you, Juan. You're also witty and sly, I think. <laughs> and I'm working on it, man. I'm just, le- I'm just working on learning English, you know. <laughs> How's that no, going? You did, you did How's very, that going, Juan? Very, it's going I very love well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get in. Let's get let's into it. it. Let's listen to the first song and listen to this the mind blowing intro that goes into the uh, the the killer uh, riff. Let's listen to Mean Street. Hey, 
And there's that, but there's that, there's that sort of hollowed out center that they don't try to fill. They just leave this emptiness in there, which is a really, gives it tension, you know? There's just, uh, there's just what there is there, four guys playing, and uh, um, yeah, it's remarkable. Now, it's really remarkable. Now, one, with some, I know some songs on this record, they took, he took like some riffs and stuff from older songs that they had, right? Yeah, from I mean, those guys, uh, you know, they were a cover band, but they also wrote a lot of their own music. When Gene Simmons saw him in the club uh, one night, and he invited them to New York to record at, a, a, I think, might have been Electric Ladyland Studios. Right. Right. And uh, and just to record a, a demo, so he's like, you guys got to come up with like ten songs. Yeah. That's a lot of songs to, to yeah. do demo. So they were they were easily prepared. Because, I mean, those guys played nonstop. It wasn't like they just would practice like three nights of the week, out of the week. I mean, yeah. they were always playing. So, yeah, there were right. songs. And songs came to them. I mean, you could never catch Eddie Van Halen without a guitar. Right. And, right. Even right. when he was at a party, he was at the corner, like, just playing. <laughs> or, yeah. like, or, like, in someone's bed, mom's bedroom or something, just right. playing guitar. Right. Yeah. yeah, those like, um, those early, that demo, you can hear those those demos from the uh, let me see I, I've got it actually on my computer so let me look and see what they're called because it's interesting to hear what the un um, the sort of unpolished van they're called it's oh the, the, it's called Zero the Gene Simmons demos I'm sure they're on YouTube but um, yeah. there's trying to see if there's you know woman in love somebody get me a doctor she's the woman running with the devil put out the All lights right, so a lot of, yeah that's stuff that was ended up being on the first, first album. couple of records yeah. Yeah, right. yeah so this song stemmed from she's a woman like the main intro riff right that's that's a, right that, okay that, that's the main riff that comes in with the drums you know, yeah right. yeah they, they didn't throw anything away like just listening to it even even right now with the energy of you guys around me the force field of you guys. Yes. I was, I was, I'm like, I'm listening to the sound, and it sounds like someone that's confused. Like it's just like bouncing left and yes. right, bouncing left and right. Right. And then when it when it turns into that 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 howl, yeah, that it drops and it just like, yeah, the right. feedback. That sounds like a cry cry for help. <laughs> yeah, well, I've I've always thought his guitar playing, his solos especially, sounded like they had a very feminine voice quality like a woman kind of screaming or crying and sort of Jimi Hendrix his guitar playing at the end of his life some of the later Hendrix stuff the guitar has that same quality sort of a just a really vocal and really emotive quality did you get that though Barry the one's basically saying that we that that being with us now it's like it's confusing and then he and then he no. feels like cry, like crying like a woman <laughs> I'd say no, that's, right. a, that's probably a legit wrong, that's probably a legit reaction <laughs> no but I mean that's that's what I hear I, and I think that's yeah, what yeah. he was going through in the time he was confused because yeah. the label wanted him to write a pop song yeah he wanted to do his own thing he got fed up with fame 
being an introvert. Right. But then know? he also just, but then ironically, he's the one that married. And then you could tell he said this was something that bothered David Lee Roth, that Eddie Justin married Hall. the, the uh, movie, movie star, star. first. Valerie Bertinelli, which I don't know. One, were you too young? Oh, did you have a crush? Because I had a big crush. Everybody on had Valerie a crush. I mean, she just she looked she looked like an angel, and she had right. perfect hair. Yes, and, and <laughs> she did. Other know. parts were perfect as well. As yeah. I recall, and the show the show wasn't that good. But I think when you're a kid, you watch everything. You sure. Know? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember the weird thing about them is that they both looked like each other so much, and it reminds yeah. me of those couples that look like each other right. so much that it's like uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like you gotta be vain to certain point to like date someone marry that your looks like marry your sister yeah yeah but uh <laughs> but you know that's what happened like yeah. she showed she even she uh she he's so shy that she ended up showing up at one of the shows and requesting to meet with him and David Lee Roth noticed her but you know he tried impressing his, her yeah you know with his with his uh swagger Sammy. yeah <laughs> <laughs> with Sammy Davis. You know, exactly. Mojo. Yeah, right. And uh, and she just like, she wanted to talk to Eddie. And they hooked up and, uh, you know, and that was that it. Was that. And, that co- and that caused a big drift between Eddie and Dave Lee Roth. Yeah, did, something, right? You know Among what? I got to say, with those guys, there was, it was just, it was, something was going to happen with those two. The personalities are so... Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. you think I to think about the amount of substances that they had available to them, and the number of you know distractions um, of being Van yeah. Halen. Um, right, right. Because they were yeah, they were already huge. I mean, this record, this was like their slow, one of their slowest selling records yeah. of the David Lee Roth era, and it still sold uh, two million over, over right. two million copies eventually. I think it's the, it I think the cover longer. has a lot to do with it. The cover artwork almost it's not it's not a Bruegel painting. But oh, it, yeah. it looks one, like a Bruegel. Well, it's this guy. One, you know about the cover, right? Like, uh, yeah, this, yeah. So it's. Uh, but, go ahead. It's, uh, it's the I forgot the name of the person that painted it. You see, Canadian. Uh, it's William uh, uh, Karelic. Yeah, and and that painting is about his his childhood, how hard it was, right. he was abused. And there, and one of the panels of the painting, I think there, it's a large painting, and they used a, a couple of the, you know, right, they, right, they, a couple they of the details on it. Part of it, right. But but it's it's a it's a you could tell it's either a young man or 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 uh, or a boy running into a wall. Yes, like, running his head into a wall, and and I think Alex at one point wanted the album cover to just be that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, which the image alone is super cool. But then and the other one, I think he's getting beat up and everything yeah, like that. But it, and uh, but, it, but it feels like it feels like a Bruegel, like a medieval, like one of those um, you know paintings of hell. It's got the colors and it has this sort of subject matter feel of um, you know. Those, which is, and that that gives it that darkness, and then you listen to the record, and that's reflected in the music. In the music, more and in the and, music. And, and, the, and, the, and, the and in yeah, right. Well, the, well, the first song definitely. I guess because David Lee Roth had taken a trip to Haiti a little bit before this, and he sort of because David Lee Roth doesn't know about Mean Streets. He grew up pretty no. in a nice neighborhood. Yeah, he had, you yeah. Know. He's the yeah. son of a doctor. Right. Exactly. But you know, so some of the lyrics in that. Uh, well, he's Rothstein, I, right? I, David Lee Roth wasn't his last name Rothstein or something like that. Oh yeah, he, he's a member of the tribe. He I, is. Exactly. <laughs> Um, which doesn't automatically mean that you didn't have a tough uh, upbringing, but he he did not. So yeah. it's kind of ironic when he sings about I, I walk this 
stinking street past the crazies on my block and and i see the same old faces and hear the same old talk it's like it's not really you know he's projecting a little it's not yeah maybe he, his when he took that trip to haiti he saw i think i read somewhere that uh he saw a lot of like corruption and and right uh, yeah right. and he just kind of like and he went out there to spend money and have fun but he then he saw the dirty side of it right you know right. like the, the unfair side of uh of yeah. the law and everything like that so yeah. uh he you know he wrote about it and i think he throughout the whole album it's it, that's that's the main theme it's right. like it's weird because most most of the first the first two records they're mainly like beach records but yeah. this is like a nighttime record and this is like yeah. you're getting drunk they might they even mention right. alcohol in it like you know dave in one of the songs he's 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 asking what's left in the bottle yeah right and, right right and of course like the true van halen fans know that they were going through like a lot of like how you mentioned earlier yeah so this album was uh was fueled on coke yeah ah, for sure well, China, and, right? <laughs> and, and, and you definitely hear the paranoia yeah in the record exactly yes all right, so let's Speaking get of cocaine, second. let's move on to the next song. <laughs> let's get to the second song where Eddie does some slide guitar on this one. Yep. I'll listen to a little bit of Dirty Movie. Yeah, I didn't realize how long it was. That's all right. Well, <laughs> That's all right. You can I cut uh, it down in editing. Yeah, it's fine. A um, yeah, so there's Eddie on some slide, which even even that, when Eddie plays it, it's not like your traditional slide. You know, it's got that Eddie It's got tone. that roller coaster sound, basically. Yeah. You know, he's... Um, and, of course, the song is about porno movies, you know, which... Um, yeah. For them, I'm sure was a daily, you know, right. One, you don't know, you don't know anything about that one, right? That's not your, uh, that's not your bag. <laughs> uh, let me ask you one. I, I know you play when I when you play a slide, you do stuff with slide, but it's definitely also untraditional. But uh, did you read actually about what he did, like as far as playing the slide on this, what he ended up having to do? Uh, I. I... I could just hear it. Like from he just, because it said, well, he actually said he had trouble reaching the high notes on the SG. He was playing one of those SG-shaped uh, Les Paul Juniors. Yep. So he, he sawed a chunk out of, it's like this vintage Les Paul Junior, and he sawed a chunk of it out of it so he could reach up to the wow. <laughs> of his slide. Thanks, Eddie. Yeah, that's the thing. He's always like been uh, an experimentalist, experimental, not not only guitar player, but he experiments on Hardware. the instruments themselves. Yeah, right. yes. Yeah. yeah, he like, he built, he built, his guitars, he like, you know, he's yeah. Got, he isn't precious. He's not one of these guys that would buy a vintage guitar and like, like as a collector of that, he would just do whatever he had to do with him to get the sound he was going after. Yeah, yeah. and his guitars definitely look beat up, man. It yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It was kind of cool. 
Oh, it was, it was awesome. Cool yeah, it was. I mean, he's the first guy who who uh, who made like one pickup guitars popular. Oh yeah, There's, that was him. Know, totally. That, Everybody that else was, was yeah, because he never he never uses a bass pickup. He just has that yeah. one like his his tone and his sound. Like I think when we actually, truth be told. When I saw him in 78, he played the original, that original Strat guitar with the tape on it, the red one with the tape. He played that. And then he also had a Les Paul that he played for some of it, too. Um, and I don't know if it had one pickup or not. I wasn't close enough. But, you know, it didn't matter. It still sounded exactly like. Now, this song, I'm listening to the bass playing on this. Sounds like Michael Anthony's tuned down lower than E. The bass is really, really low, which gives it a different sound as well. Well, the whole record's tuned tuned down a half step. I think that that's when they right. when they decided to do it. Yeah, oh, so I do that uh, but, for Dave, well, like but, to help Dave. Yeah, out. but I think I think that Michael Anthony is playing almost like a five string thing, where the, the that low note is is below, like even an E flat or whatever that whatever the song's in. He's tuned that low note down to whatever the root note of the song is. And but, uh, but you know, you gotta you gotta question who's actually playing. The bass in oh, some of the songs. Uh, you think oh, it's Eddie? Really? You think it's Eddie? I th- yeah, I think Eddie. Like especially like you know the funkier songs. Right. I mean, I think I think I think Michael Anthony's great, but I, I from what I know is that Eddie, since he wanted to like, he's he a control freak. A he's record. a total. Con- well, he's a control freak. Yeah. He would. What he would do is he would show up at four o'clock in the morning with their engineer. All right, and, uh, Don, Land- uh, Don Landy. Yeah, and he would like. We track a lot of solos and a lot of things. Yes, you know, right. and I think he, he even said he even solo. said that that at the end they didn't even, they didn't even notice because everybody just wanted a hit single. Well, right. he said the fucked up. Yeah, he said the fucked up thing was no one ever even noticed. That's how uninvolved they were on a musical level. So yeah. you know, right? He was definitely. Well, uh, it's also the James Hetfield thing where he records basically when you hear a Metallica record. All the guitars except the guitar solo is James Hetfield because he does all of them. And then the other guy, whatever his name is, Kirk, Kirk, Kirk. Um, he just, you know, live he plays the parts. But in the, on the studio, it was always, you know, you have the control freak guy who records everything. You know, Dave Grohl, <laughs> James Hetfield, um, Eddie Van Halen. Those guys, yeah. they know exactly what they want, and you're not going to be able Juan to Montoya, do it. Juan Montoya, Juan Montoya. <laughs> no, man, even my drummer <laughs> plays guitar. <laughs> oh, no, really? That's great. All right, so this next one, Eddie Van Halen says that this was recorded in one take, which I totally believe, and when you listen to it, it's like, wow. This is more like a Van Halen throwback, this song. Let's listen to a little bit of Sinner's Swing. Tricky rhythmic turnarounds. Oh yeah, but, but 
But one, right? You could tell this is just them, three of them playing together with no real overdubs, and uh, it's fucking tight, man. Dude, I mean, like like I said, man, they've been playing for years. I mean, they were playing for a bunch of years even before they got signed. Right, right, right. Seventy four, I think they started playing like in seventy four. Right. I mean, their the pe- their local friends stuff. I mean, they drew a lot of people at parties. But the industry people didn't like them. They they were too ahead of their time. They yeah. were too noisy. They were too ruckus. Right. Yeah. You know, back then everybody was doing like Eagles type music, and these guys <laughs> come in and they and they do this boogie woogie like this this whole like you know yeah. CZ top on steroids. Sound. Right. That's exactly right. right. Yeah, that's a great and analogy. This song actually, kind of goes back to that, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it and does. you know, and David Roth shines on on this on this song. I think he did a great job on the whole album too. You yeah, know? a lot of people give him slack because he doesn't really have a good you know vocal range. Technical, for what he does. no technical. And in fact, I read something recently. I guess there's a book coming out. I don't know if it's about. Uh, I forget who wrote. By one of the producers or something wrote it, or maybe their manager. But they said originally when uh, when the A and R people were seeing them, they they liked the band but they didn't like Dave and they thought he couldn't sing and they were thinking about trying to talk them into getting a different singer get replacing him and getting yeah, that, that would have been a mistake yeah, wanted, yeah of course you know who they wanted them they I, during the first record that's what it is you know yeah they and thought they, they thought they heard the demo tapes and David Roth doesn't really sound that great on the demo tapes no he I mean, doesn't that's actually my opinion. no he doesn't yeah. you're right but during the first record he did his homework and Ted Templeman was even thinking of getting Sammy Hagar to sing. <laughs> wow. Because they were all fans of Montrose. Yeah, they right. Yeah, band. yeah. And they were going to get Eddie Van uh, and They were going to try to get him to sing. But then all of a sudden they gave Dave a chance and he... He, he shy, rose to the occasion. Know? Yeah, right. Now, Juan, I have a question for you because you, as obviously, you're more of a you're you're the biggest Van Halen fan out of the three of us. Uh, it's it sort of sticks out to me when Dave says uh, she looks so fucking good. And am I wrong? But I feel like uh, Van Halen don't, doesn't really use expletives in their songs much. Like, there's hardly are there many other songs where they act, where he actually curses I don't, in. That's the only one I know of. No, you know, but that. I think by that time... Because I feel like they're kind of clever. They're probably... He's a little well, too what does clever it say to on the, What does it say on the lyric sheet? Fucking... Oh, no. He is cursing here, but I'm just saying it's kind of atypical for them. It well, is. You know, it's not like he's cursing you know what it, what it is? I think by that time, they already had their live show down, and I think they imagined writing for a live setting. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And to, and exactly. to have such a line like that... That'll that that'll send shockwaves through the an band. Audience. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and then I've actually I've heard I've heard uh, live recordings of that. And when he says when he says that when he goes, she looks so fucking good. Yeah. The whole audience screams. Gets like ten times louder. Yeah. Right. Right. right yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it was some Yeah. It's uh, like a firecracker. So, all right, guys, do you want to, we're about halfway, but do you want to take a break or you want to keep rolling through? It's up to you. Let's, let's roll through it, man. Let's roll. Let's do it. Is this tomorrow? The sole commercial sponsor of that record, Got Me High Podcast, is a weekly comic that is being modeled by its ostensible subject, an infamous television network that rhymes with cockscrews. What is happening is as strange as any Philip K. Dick novel. Over time, the subject has gradually aligned itself with the originally hyperbolic, obviously satirical intentions of Is This Tomorrow, and become a simulacra, an imago, a virtual puppet, as it were, of our sponsor's comic strip. 
So if you want to see what's going to happen on television, tomorrow, you can be certain, that, it, is, tomorrow, at, is, this, tomorrow, dot, com, that's, is this, tomorrow, dot, com, from that record got me high and is this tomorrow, please stay well, stay safe, and stay sane, we didn't build this roller coaster, and the safety inspector called in sick last Wednesday and hasn't been seen since. Let's roll, man. Let's do it. I got All a right. drink and it's Van Halen. So Fuck it. Let's go. Van Halen, Van Halen didn't take no break. That's right. <laughs> Fuck yeah. All right. So we got song number four. Uh, this has got that real flange. I think it's like a flangey guitar opening. Yeah. Oh, I should uh, mention. I should mention back. I think it's on uh, Dirty Movies. Remember how I say every bass player in the ni- early 1980s, late 70s had a chorus box? Oh, there, he's using a, his chorus it's, in there. It's, yeah, yeah. You're like, there it is. <laughs> there it is, yeah. <laughs> Somebody's going to hear about it later, though, right? Let's do it. Yeah. solo it's just it's it's intense you know it's like he's got this way of just hitting the notes that are uh that just maximum drama right yeah yeah and uh, uh it's funny because the, the, the lyrics before, are just bullshit i mean basically this song is about a girlfriend is she gonna pay my bills or some shit like ain't that money. although there is a little which i know david lee roth is a beetle was a beatles fan yeah and there's a, beetle, a beetle reference because he goes tell me honey will you will your love and pay my bills and that's like <laughs> right. you know your love and give yeah, me yeah. your love and will pay my bills you know that's what i was going to ask you guys because the previous song is about a, a, a somebody who you know, like a, somebody that that was like a cheerleader or went to high school was a popular girl, and then she became right. a porn star. Right. Like, right. This one, this one, I couldn't really figure it out. He kind of, I think he he just has a bunch of catchphrases yeah. that were cool. And, <laughs> yeah. and the, in, and the intro it. how yeah is is awesome. <laughs> And the, you know, yeah, the song yeah. definitely has a cool feel, man. It does. It's more oh, musical. No. This is more dead. The music is what makes this one for sure because it's good. That's what set them apart from all these other hard rock bands. Was yeah, that man. They had this melodicism. Yeah, yeah, melodicism. That That's was like and killer. The interesting thing also about the intro is that the intro is definitely played like direct into the board or something. The guitar is really clean. It's also the guitar is also slightly out of tune, which is funny that Eddie would let that. 
you know, happen on a recording and nobody would say, hey, Ed, you know, that that one string is just a little bit out of tune. And I, it's it sounds cool, but it's a funny thing to happen on a major label, gigantic release of a Van Halen record where you're like, ooh. But there was also theories that part of the way his guitar sounds is is that it's tuned slightly, he, he's, he, he tunes it slightly out of tune to get a certain thing, to get his certain thing with that. So there's all sorts of conspiracy theories about Eddie and how he does it. Yeah, I mean, I think he did, back then, he just probably picked up the guitar and didn't use a tuner. He, he tried to you know. I think so. I think you're right. Yeah, I think did that's ridiculous ear. he is about stuff. Yeah. Because I, I, I remember trying to play along with a lot of records growing up and some bands like they would tune a little bit slightly out yeah and yeah it just like it just what they picked up the guitar and whatever that guitar was tuned to that's yeah how they that's right it. that's <laughs> right that's and, right and it left like a big like puzzle for everybody, everybody else right because you got to retune <laughs> if you want to play along with it you got to retune for every song you're like what the fuck is going on here you know <laughs> oh, especially or if the piano if there's a there's a studio they're in and the piano slightly out of tune and so they all tune to the piano and then everything goes out the window there too you know yeah, I remember one time, even with the newer tuners, I remember uh, we did this uh, amazing show with Allison Chains here in Miami at yeah. the Fillmore All right. when I was in Monstro, and I just, I, the whole night I was hearing something off, and it kind of bothered me because this was my, my first hometown show that sure. was in Churchill's, that was actually at a, at a theater, so, you know, my mom and everybody came out to that show and there was something on stage while we were performing that just bothered me. Yep. And it was our it was our, our other guitarist singer. His tuner was like the caliber was a little <laughs> bit off. 439 oh. instead of 440. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm like, what sounds so weird to me? It's yeah. like, and like I'm trying to get into the show but then Having Distracted. a musical ear, yeah. it just like it felt know, like man. like some rubber band effect in my brain yeah. or something. Right. <laughs> well, uh, this on happen. this next one though, he tunes uh. the low the low string down to like a C sharp, so it's got a really low. You can even hear it go out of tune a little bit, but it makes the song totally well, this, insane. Uh, I'm just going to go on record. This opening riff here is probably one oh. of their best. One of oh, no, best this is their best ever. song. Unchained I, is Van Halen's absolutely their best song. It's the hands down in my book. Like, if you said, what? Like, yeah. It's like the flag of heavy metal. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. There's, There's no bit of Unchained. There's some great words in that too. Nonstop. There are. Yeah. What a rocker. Blue eyed murder in a size five dress. And actually, <laughs> they're talking about Van Halen and they're actually discussing the concept of 
impermanence change nothing stays the same and so you right. jump out of this like you know talking about girls and liquor and porno movies into like this sort of weird universal concept that is it gives a song a whole different it just kicks it to a whole different level and the it's also got a weird like really there's a weird time signature in there like a 19 or something where you can't count it you can't count it with eight notes you have to count it by tapping tapping or you can't count it with quarter notes you got to tap eight notes out with your hand to figure out where the changes are so yeah, that, that's that's Eddie getting into Bob Vishnu Orchestra. Yeah, that's right. Him getting Alan, into Alan, Alan Holdsworth. That's, yeah, right. that's this whole weirdo, weird, not weirdo, but weird jazz. Yeah. Exactly. According to rock and rollers, that's and then to jazz. make it and and one, I don't know. Do you realize this? This was never officially released as a single in the U.S., even though, but it was all over the radio, and it actually peaked at number thirteen in uh, 80, 1981, But it was never officially a single. <laughs> it was just radio, just like you know. Uh, yeah, well, this song was and in that, in that, in that, getting that live that live MTV thing, which you're talking about, you saw on MTV, yeah, where they play on chain, and the Dave, Dave comes leaping over the amplifiers and lands, and it's just, it's just, you know, everything yeah. about it is like that's, and then he's also kind of out of breath for the rest of the song, too, right? But <laughs> yeah, you know, dude, that jump is incredible. There's it is. of that, of that jump. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, he like jumps and you know the, the drums on a riser. Yeah. So he jumps off late, and in the photos you see him like at the level of the cymbals. <laughs> you know, kind of like before it was yeah. like Pete yeah. Tom said from the from he was the one that got caught the the biggest aerials in rock and roll. Right. You know, you see shots right. of him and he's like <laughs> way above. Yeah, yeah. So this is. This is taking so taking it to an even higher level. I always assumed and there was a trampoline behind there, a yeah, mini too, tramp. Man. He just jumped. There wasn't, dude. right? He jumped yeah, off no. the run drum riser. Yeah, and he just, I don't like, think he could do that jump anymore. No. The only other person that I've seen be able to do that type of jump is Prince, and he oh, did it with yeah, like he, high heels. Yeah. Well, that's what fucked with up his heels, and fucked yes. up his hips. And which and he, he with, wouldn't get surgery and the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. but man, the, the intro riff uh, is the heaviest uh, thing. It is, but you know. it's still not. It's heavy, but it's also. Just, it's got it, that boogie, like you said, that ZZ Top boogie to it. Fuck, it it yeah, isn't like a Black it. Sabbath heavy. No, it's right. It's, it, but it's just brilliant, you know. Oh, it's, it's a great song, and, and, and it also open, has. And that 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 open. You know the open E or yeah, yeah, drop down to C sharp or something. Yeah, that that became the staple of heavy metal. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, that became you know, and and the cool thing that they were doing, they were doing these higher chord voicings. Yeah, which which cut through, but then all of a sudden you went back and you look to the left of the side, the left side of the street, and you hear these see this truck coming. You know, (laughs) yeah, 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 right. (laughs) Well, I think when they they record. That song they used a, a, a flanger or yeah. a phaser yeah, or yeah. both. It's got a flanger. No, and I think they, it's a flanger. And I heard that after that song came out, I heard after that song came out that flanger sales, sales did triple. Yeah, just like yeah, the triple. <laughs> well, he had another trick. And none yeah. of these kids sounded like Eddie Van Halen. Well, <laughs> well, he had another trick actually that um, people I only learned about recently, and this is going to be very gearheadish, but Juan will appreciate it. He, um, you know, people always talked about like him using the changing the voltage on the amplifiers to make them sound more this or that. The truth is, they didn't they didn't use the voltage c- 
control for that. They actually turned the voltage down so that he could wouldn't burn the amps out as quick. He would ha- he did a thing where he would run the amp on full blast and he ran it into this thing called a soaker behind the behind the speakers, which basically took the, the level down to a very, very low level. And then he would go out of there into power amps. And then that went into um, the, or he went out of the soaker into his effects and his effects went out to power amps. So he had this whole strategy to get that sound, which nobody else, I mean, if you listen to the way the guitar sounds on the intro to this song, it's just the most perfect heavy guitar sound and you just can't you can't replicate it it's impossible it's just him and this 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 genius strategy he's got you know this this the soaker thing how how he, when he first figured it out because they were getting thrown out of clubs for being too loud so right. he had to figure out something that he could keep that tone yep. but at a lower volume yep and i exactly. think he used right. like, okay. like those old school light dimmers that your grandmother has yep. yeah yeah the wrong one. He, he, <laughs> took, he he did it with that yep. he did it with that he used that as a as the soaker as a soaker to, to absorb all that energy from the amp and then he could control and then he would feed that into his effects pedals, which gives it a really, the effects gives him these really intense sound that you just don't get any other way. It's like, fucking guy was a, he's a, you know, he's, he's a genius. He's a prick. But then he he's, he's a, a prick, but he's a genius. <laughs> and then he mixes heavy metal from that intro. Yeah. And then he does like a funky groove and then he does the off time groove. So it has like different movements. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. 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 Well, so he's I, like a classical, he would be like a classical guy back in the day. That's what he's really like. That's the mind that he has. The musical mind It's almost like a classical musician, but he's doing it uh, an electric guitar, you know, in a, in a hard rock band. Yeah. You man. Know, and his father was also a musician, you know, his right. father played clarinet on one of the songs in, uh, on, on Diver Down. Yeah. Uh, Sweet William, that song, uh, Big Bad Bill, Sweet William now, and uh, and they grew up musically. You know, they right. their parents bought them guitars and drums like early on. So I mean, right, those guys right, had it. Right. You know, they're going on. They even switched instruments. Eddie started off on the drums, and then Alex. Oh God! Yeah, that was a good move. Good that move. was a good move. Yeah. That's <laughs> like when Joey, Joey, Joey Ramones went from behind the drums and and to the singer, DM yeah. bass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some things right? are meant yeah. to be. Exactly. All right. So this next one, Eddie Van Halen said that this was Roth's idea of trying to cash in on the reggae craze because it was like this <laughs> reggae craze happening there. Yeah. So that is push comes to shove. And then what 
Okay, the song, is, the song itself is kind of corny, but I like his vocals in this. And he sounds almost like Tom Waits at the beginning of it. Also, when he does that you know, you, you say when you say reggae, quote unquote, was a big thing. What they're responding to is the police because the police were were getting huge oh, yeah, at this right, point. That's right. So you might say this doesn't sound like Sly and Robbie. This sounds like you know yeah, Sting white, and white boy version it, of reggae. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of people have made records in 1981 where you go, man, it sounds like they're trying to sound like the police. Well, there's a reason for that because the police were, you know, had put their stamp on pop music right yeah. then. But uh, well, you know. Could I, go ahead. Could I say go ahead, something? Bro. No, um, sure. No, just interrupt. <laughs> While it stays in my little, in my, in my yeah, little brain. Just, yeah. <laughs> what I hear is, you know, the, the album's taking late night. This is like late night. Yeah. He's like I said, like I mentioned earlier, he's he's like, give me a cigarette. I need yeah. anything right now. Oh yeah. You know, it's kind of like that. For real, for give sure. Me something. Give, just give me something. Yeah. Make, give me that feeling again. Yeah. You know, and he's like checking to see what bottle still had alcohol. And he's like, "Is it cold in here? You know, it's just like, <laughs> is it cold in here, or am I like, am I dying?" <laughs> but but the song itself, instead of reggae, I feel it's kind of like that that uh, that the Rolling Stones. Yeah, I feel oh, yeah. like Miss You yeah, or something like exactly. that. Yeah, you know, especially that part in the beginning. That's he sounds exactly like he's, what he's it like is. Taking on that whole like. You know, You're I, totally one hundred percent correct. Yeah, he's like, I know there's some Puerto Rican girls that are That's, dying. Yeah. Dude, that is exactly what it is. Yeah. And I had I kept it was on the tip of my tongue. I'm like, this sounds so much like something I've heard. That's it. It's it's the it's uh, Rolling Stones. Miss you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And it, it, but it, it, only skill from the best. Yeah, and, and those and those bass lines, how sharp they are. I, yeah. th- I think that might be Eddie. Ah, also. could be. Uh, probably. You know? You're probably right. And also, but Eddie's lead in this too is is top notch. Well, of course. I mean, to, to to say that Eddie's lead is good is almost like stupid because yeah, of right. course it is. But it is really it's great in this. But you know, I'll be honest, man. Some of the record, some of the songs. And I don't know if it's because he was recording the leads at four o'clock in the morning when he was already coked out. Yeah. But sometimes they start like they're kind of like a little bit all over the place. They don't have the melodic vocal lines that yeah. his previous solo yeah. had. So now he starts doing something, and then he does like a couple seconds of the hammer on. Yeah. And then he does something else. You know, so he's kind of like a little bit all over the place. I mean, most Eddie Van Halen fans have lynched me for saying something like this. <laughs> send, but, send all your hate mail to Juan, Juan Montoya. Montoya. <laughs> but I mean, but the rhythm tracks are spot on, but it's yeah. right. the solos. There's something you know what? about the solos. You may have a point, because when you think about it, Juan, he didn't have a, a producer. When he goes back in with his engineer for in the morning, there's no pr- producer to sort of say, hey, you know, maybe do that again or, or you know, try this. There's like, he's just him. So yeah, maybe yeah. he was a and I think a lot of those, like, you know, like detuned guitars and stuff, that might have been it too, man. Yeah, Imagine, right. you know, like you. Well, you and know. also, the, there's um, there's a, like, Alan, Hol- Alan Holdsworth's first solo record had come out. I think it came out in 80. And if you listen to it, the playing on it, the guy is just, you know, it's got a singer on it, and you would think, oh, Alan Holdsworth, like, with jazz fusion and singer, it's going to be terrible. It's not terrible. It's actually a really good record. And the guitar playing on it is any guitar player who would hear it would be like, oh, oh my, holy crap, how in the hell is that keyboard aspect of the playing is, you know, right there. And I think Eddie is probably, you know, trying to process 
this uh, new information of this Alan Holdsworth guy that's just, you know, untouchable. And uh, right. and one of it, and I think one of his advantages is that his hands were just so big. I don't right. Know if you oh, see yeah, his, oh, yeah, he had giant hands. He was really tall. Yeah, his, yeah. His, he would, like, stretch out the guitar, and he kind of created that bad of, like, holding out, like... You know, your first finger on the third fret, and then you're well, like already halfway. For him, it wasn't. It wasn't a lot. Of, it wasn't a lot of work for Alan Holdsworth because he had gigantic hands. Yeah, yeah. and Eddie, being a shorter guy, I mean, he like he, you know, he had that he, one little Juan Montoya fingers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh all right. God. So we have another throwback. We have another throwback not that there's, here. Not that there's anything wrong with no, that. I love, well, I love little one fingers. Um, this, this next one is the only official single from the record in North America. Was this next one, and this is so. This is love. Van Halen, a real poppy, poppy yeah. sounding song that moves. But him it's vamping great. those chords, the little things, the chords he's playing in the background. Oh, yeah, uh, just, yeah, it's great. Just, well, it's unpredictable. That's the thing. He's playing stuff that's slightly different than your ordinary run of the mill guitar player would play up underneath there. The choices are just what make it really super interesting, you know? Um, and I think they chose this as a single because it went back to the formula. But exactly. To me personally, it was. To me, yeah, right. Juan, I think we lost you there. Oh, this one is this one yeah. is just because you like. Well, it, it it definitely sounds like it could have it, it could have fit more in maybe the one of the, fir, the first. Oh yeah, it's three a throwback. Than De- this is definitely so a throwback. Stick out a totally little. a throwback. Yeah. One this song. one funny thing about the song, I got to tell you guys though, there's a website song meanings that I, I go to oh, sometimes because people put their own like ideas about songs, what they think, and obviously there's not much you could dig into in Van Halen, <laughs> but but it's so funny because on the song meanings website for this song, someone posted that they played this song at his wedding. He played at his wedding sure. as their wedding song, and then someone else said. Dude, you played a song at your wedding about a guy falling in love with a prostitute? <laughs> and, and to me, that right there is the essence of, of Van Halen. Halen. <laughs> it is, yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. Complete hedonism. Hedon- I mean, they were just, they were totally hedonistic. They were totally, you know, they weren't they weren't known for any sort of introspection uh, or... No, not at all. Except maybe for this record a little. Now, this, this next one, uh, this is... This song is like, man, musically out there and, and yeah. supposedly composed by Eddie uh, for his new wife, Valerie Bertinelli. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of Sunday Afternoon in the Park. Mm-hmm. 
it's so cool. He's definitely got something. The drums are triggering some sort of shift with the uh, with the synth because yeah, those- it's an electro harmonics uh, synthesizer. He's playing through, and it's this is just him and Alex, right? That right one. Yeah, I believe I believe so. You know, and the funny to me, I think this is Melvin's sound. It you is. Know? Yes. It is absolutely. The whole like hi hat tight hi hat with a slow like yeah oof. the grind Duh. grindy sound yeah totally. But uh, if I was you know if I was a girl and someone you know wrote this for me I'd be like yo man <laughs> yeah <laughs> what's up with that you're See, scaring me man <laughs> they aren't they aren't they aren't married anymore so maybe this was the first sign of maybe trouble for Valerie should well I realized. think the stories came out that she always was portrayed as like this goody two shoes. And that she would know she could keep up with Eddie as far as the uh, I ref- the intake. I refuse, I refuse to believe that, Barry. No, no, no. That can't be true about Sweet. She's an angel sent from heaven. Yeah, <laughs> and I also hear, I, I also hear that. Uh, I also hear kind of like a John Carpenter movie soundtrack. Yeah, movie. yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. And it's I think also like like a Goblin. Right. Yes, uh, the Goblin. They did the soundtrack for what? Like uh, Italian? What, what are they? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And I, uh, Giorgio de, uh, yeah. de Argento. Yeah, Argento. Daryl Argento. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it is. It, it's very European sounding, like synth rock almost, and it's very un Van Halen like. But yeah. I mean, well, that's it's why just, it's on the end really side cool. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they probably heard Kraftwerk also. Probably. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I think Eddie and I think the other guys probably were like, well, let, you know, this is, let Eddie let put him do this it. on there. Yeah. But, and it does sort of bleed into the final song, which is kind of cool the way it does bleed into it. And then they end it uh, with a bang. They end the record with one foot out the door. Classic Eddie solo. Oh, so yeah. badass, though. So badass. And even the dr- the drums are phenomenal in this too. He did a he did that drum fill that. He's oh yeah. Hauling ass, and then yeah, he yeah. stops to be like to like reverse yeah, drum fill. Yeah. And uh, you know, and and the synthesizers are there. So that's like, I know. Like, that's, what, it's right, a like weird. A, it's a weird way to song, end a record, but it's a great yeah, song. song you know? The song fades out. The song fades out. The album fades out. Yeah, right. right. It, it does, it does. And it's, so it's, and kinda, it's great. It's kind of like, it's like a taste into the future. Right. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's good. Well, yeah. the next record is, the, yeah, you know? right. But the next Even record was still di- going to take them a little bit longer to, yeah, to get that, there. That point. Right, right. Because right. they have to go through Diver Down, which is or try to sort of a return to the A whole bunch of form. covers. And it was really, Diver Down was clearly something they just had to put out because they needed to put a record out. Yeah. yeah, but then they also had the synths. A really cool synth line is uh, Dancing in the Streets. 
True. Oh, right. Oh, started. that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like, that's the standout on that record. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So Eddie definitely made a, a big futuristic leap, uh, even more. I yeah. mean, he did it. He did it with Eruption in the first record. Right. The second record, you know, had more of the had catchy, softer songs. I yeah. believe. You know. Right. Well, right. I think they recorded those first two records at the same. I think those were recorded sort of all at the same time. I believe yeah. that those sessions produced those fr- both records. And even even women and children. Yeah. Kind of dark, but they this got even. Yeah. Well, women and, and children. He, had, he was playing that Fender Rhodes on some of it with the, through a distortion box or through the Marshalls, yeah. you know. And so it's yeah. got some of that, but it also has some of the traditional. But yeah, this one definitely was. You know, if I'm going to listen to a Van Halen record, frankly, I'll probably this is the one I'll probably listen this to. This is the one. Yeah, this man. Yeah. Oh, can I, I say something? Oh, yeah. shut up. No, you're the You don't have to ask. May I, please? <laughs> he knows uh, that. He's just being a wise guy. Go ahead, Juan. You know, and and this is like, I've heard this record in different moods. I've heard it one time after a long gig, after, you know, after a long tour, like coming home from yeah. a long tour. Right. Like, so I've heard it like, kind of like beat up, like myself. Yeah. And then I've heard it, you know, uh, kind of privately yeah most of the times I've heard it, it's privately and this is the first time I heard it with two other dudes that kind of like we're, we're really enjoying it yeah we're really yeah. enjoying it even though it's a dark album but it's it great. light in this album nah, this it's is... more you're right it's more of a dark late night by yourself album but we could as three grown men we could enjoy it together that's right not? sure <laughs> so yeah this it's been a great experience with you guys thank you you know one thing i wanted to mention real quick barry which i i've been i i wanted to mention uh as far as because way back when we did the bad brains record right. um uh, eye against eye yeah remember you were saying the production this is this record you said the van halen production style was so so many it was so prevalent and so many other bands uh, you could Escape right it. and bad and brains. This, when I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, "Oh shit, that it's reminds me of the bad brain." Yeah, it is yeah. where you've got this just the the distinct separation of the instruments. Like you got the guitar on the left, the drums in the middle, and the bass on the right. And yeah, yeah, just that sound, right? Right, one. You, you know what I'm saying, one, right? Dude, I mean, totally. I mean, and it might also have David Roth's influence because at that point, while Eddie was busy in the studio, David Roth was out partying, and guess who he's partying with? Not only rockers, but he was going to like if he was in New York, he would go to CBGBs. Yeah, right? he would, you know, he yeah. Would hang, he would go see the Talking Heads. Yeah. And, oh yeah, well, he, he was, was a sponge. He, was he a would sponge. hang out with the, with the germs. You know. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> that was that, some that's something I would like to see some video footage of. <laughs> David Lee yeah. Roth partying I mean, with there, Darby Crash. There's Crashing. great photos of him hanging out with Rodney Dangerfield and Pee Wee Herman. Yes. Yep. <laughs> you yeah. know, and then during the MTV days, he would like totally like, he would hit on uh, Martha Quinn. Oh, yeah. Who's, uh, oh, who right. babe. Yeah. You know? Well, <laughs> he's got that, he's got that Hollywood, I mean, in a different era, he would have been you know, like I said, one of the Rat Pack. He's got right, that. Exactly, like a Frank Sinatra. Yeah, He's got yeah. that vibe, you know. He does. Um, um, so, one, you know, I didn't ask you, are you wearing your David Lee Roth chaps that you own? I know you have the assless wow. chap. Are you wearing We're, the, we're not yeah. together now. Yeah, you I'm are. Sti- Good. I'm, okay. sti- I'm sticking to my leather couch. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad I didn't I didn't know that until the end of it. comfortable, you know, sound with the leather couch. <laughs> that sound, right, well, yeah, a little sweat one, on the leather. 
Well, Once before, again, before before we go, we got to mention the highlights of Michael Anthony. True, <laughs> okay. you know, because they got they got you know they got cut out of the, this deal. Pretty yeah, bad. like right when 1984 came out. Yep, they took away his publishing. You oh, know. I didn't know that. I didn't. Wow. Yeah, they put up they put him on like either a salary or something like yeah. that. No. Yeah, the Van Halen brothers, they're like, assholes. I gotta tell you. Yeah. Like at that point. Yeah, they're not nice guys. But the Van Halen guys aren't aren't all like happy go lucky guys. No. There's a lot of turmoil. Oh, you know, they they not only fucked over him, you know, Michael Anthony, but they they fucked over their their manager who made him a lot of money. Yeah. He helped them sign a merchandise deal. So right, they could yeah. make their own merchandise, and he helped them like get out of the bad contract when they first signed to Warner Brothers. Right. So, and it's all because of cocaine, you know, Alex Van Halen. Well, I think Eddie, I think Eddie graduated from coke to meth at some point because I believe yeah, that was oh, his. Oh yeah, he got really bad in the years. Well, Michael Anthony has always been a cool guy, so we got to mention him. He, he like, seems. Yeah, he, you're right. I'm glad you said that because he does. And he's a great like a background guy. vocalist. I mean, the guy. You, he's angelic. got the perfect exactly angelic he background made vocals. that sound part of that Van Halen sound is, is yeah. the high back and then they sure, when, then when they did the reunion with Dave they wouldn't hire him because he had played with Sammy after Sammy and then you just go those guys they're just fucking they're dicks but <laughs> They, yeah. ma- they made some great <laughs> records, you know. They did, they did. Uh, but Juan is you are not a dick, Juan. You are. No. I love you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on again. Uh, yeah, guys. Everybody out record. there, find my record. Okay. Yeah, Moon, Des- Moon destroys. Where's the best? Where, where's the best place for you to buy? It? Like where you'll get the most money, Juan. Where do you want them to go to buy it? Oh man, uh, he doesn't. Know. He doesn't. You know, know. just go to our band camp. Well, band camp. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, there's there's right. like a certain day coming up that uh, they they take out the, the oh the you know. artist day yeah like a Friday so Moon Destroys at Bandcamp.com check them out uh, it's really it's great I'm not even uh, saying that because Juan's right here um, alright thanks again Juan he would and, say uh, that but the, the problem is he would also say that even if he didn't mean it but we're gonna we're, he's Either not way. doing that this time <laughs> alright don't yeah. forget everyone uh <laughs> Uh, you can become a patron of little uh, Barry and myself. That yeah. recommend I go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. And for as little as a dollar a month, you could get on the That Record Got Me High train and be That's a member right. of the family. Uh, you could check out our uh, Instagram is at That Record Got Me High. Uh, and when this episode comes out, I will uh, share uh, on Juan's account, which is uh, what's your what's your Instagram? Your Instagram is like on fire. What is it? Montoya. Oh, no, that's, uh, no, that's not, it's Montoya Black Magic. Right. That's it, Montoya Instagram. Black Magic Instagram. Yeah, I post a lot of my artwork. I've been posting a lot of the Yeah, we didn't even mention that you're an amazing artist, too. Yeah, you're just, yeah, that's you're when just, we mentioned uh, the album cover for Fair Warning. I was, like, really stoked to talk about it, too. So I'm glad we and, covered, yeah. we covered, we covered all the great amount of ground. Yes, you know. we did. Excellent. And, uh, that's and, our job. and, of course, you guys are geniuses. Well, <laughs> oh, no. Geniuses. Thank, oh, you so oh, well. Thank you so Thanks much. Thank you so much. Thanks for letting me hang out as the pleasure pleasure was ours. All right, once Absolutely. again, that is Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. Thanks again, Juan. We are That Record Got Me High. We will see you guys next week. We are out.
sometimes people are good And they do just what they should But the very same people who are good sometimes Are the very same people who are bad sometimes It's funny, but it's true It's the same, isn't it, for me and Sometimes people get wet And their parents get upset But the very same people who are wet sometimes Are the very same people who are dry sometimes It's funny, but it's true It's the same, isn't it, for me And Sometimes people make noise And they break each other's toys But the very same people Who are noisy sometimes Are the very same people Who are quiet sometimes It's funny, but it's true It's the same, isn't it, for me And sometimes people get mad And they feel like being bad But the very same people who are mad sometimes Are the very same people who are glad sometimes It's funny